Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet wildlife biologist Jim Williams, teacher and journalist Robert Pondicio, and law professor Rhonda McGee. What big cats can teach us about the environment, the lessons learned from years of teaching public school, bringing mindfulness to law school classrooms to help students talk about race. Each of these authors is passionate about applying their professional experiences to furthering the conversation around multiple timely issues. Plus, find out which of these authors wears a very special good luck t-shirt into the recording booth. Enjoy. This is Jim Williams. I was inspired by mountain lions and all wildlife at a very young age. Actually grew up in San Diego, longboarding in Pacific Beach, and I'll never forget sticking my head underwater for the first time, being inspired by all the marine life, all the different species underneath the waves. And from that, it led to marine biology, which eventually led to wildlife biology, several universities, and to mountain lions. I think what inspired me to write this book was meeting some very passionate biologists in both Argentina and Chile and wanting to share their stories, work I was doing with them, and that led to sharing stories about work I've done up here in the Northern Rockies in my career with a lot of talented colleagues, you know, put it all together and package it in a way to keep people caring about the outdoors, to keep people inspired relative to wildlife, wild places, and frankly, tolerating and making room for wildlife on the planet. That was important to me, so I thought I needed to write a book to kind of help that. So writing the book, on the one hand, was kind of simple initially, and then became very complicated as the process moved on. When you write about your own career and people you know and your work, it's pretty easy to do a brain dump. What I learned real quickly as a scientist, as a biologist, I am trained to write very minimal no expression, boring science drivel. So creating an audio book here at Penguin Random House has opened my eyes to speaking what I wrote. And I found it was really fun to share those stories firsthand about, you know, chasing the cat up the condor cliffs in Chile, for instance. You kind of go back into the moment and you start to relive that experience. You know, I have given presentations my entire career, public presentations. I speak a lot, sharing information for a living, and I'm kind of chatty by nature. But the minute I walked into the studio and saw all this electronic gear and the microphones and the lights, you get a frog in your throat. (laughs) It makes you nervous. And then I look around on the walls and I see Michelle Obama and George Bush and Bill Clinton and all these, you know, high profile personalities sitting in these same rooms. That frog just grows bigger. So it took me a little bit to relax and a a little bit of patient coaching, but I was made to feel very welcome here. I was almost coddled, (laughs) took care of every need I had, coffee, water. And actually, I was paired with a great director, John Doolittle and Dan Musselman. Everyone's been so patient with me that I was really made to feel that I could do this and I could do it well. So that support group gave me confidence and everyone here was so patient. I was able to learn as we read And that really helped. It's been a wonderful experience. What I learned really quickly is that narrating an audiobook 
is a detailed exercise in pronunciation and inflection, <laughs> precision. And oh boy, that was a learning curve. I struggled a little bit when I had the word an, A-N, followed by another word. There are a couple combinations with multiple R's and several words close together that it took a few takes to get through. But yeah, it really is an exercise in tone, inflection, pronunciation, and speed, tempo, all of that combined. And that's totally different than writing. Audiobooks are really becoming popular. In fact, my wife and I, the last audiobook we listened to was John Grisham's Camino Island, a book collector mystery, and it was a great book. So a dream narrator for my book, I think right off the bat, I have to go way back to the 1970s. He did Charlie the Lonesome Cougar, which my book's about, Mountain Lions too. Rex Allen, he used to narrate the Disney movies when I was a child. He had that classic voice. I guess in today's world, I really enjoyed you know, Jim Dale and Harry Potter and Jeff Bridges has a fun voice and he lives in Montana part-time, but I kind of would stick with Rex Allen. He did the Disney movies growing up and that, that just is part of me. I am most excited for listeners to relive these experiences that I had and hopefully be inspired about wild things and wild places. Because I think in today's world of high-tech and busy lifestyles, we all need to take a break get outside and recenter ourselves. You know, if we're going to have wild places and wild things, people have to care. And my whole reason for writing this book was to share and inspire, hoping that people will still care, you know, for generations to come. And that inspires tolerance for different animals and different species, wild places and wild things. I want listeners to to just be inspired by that and to go out and get involved and act. Hi, this is Robert Pondesio, author of How the Other Half Learns. In many ways, this book is the culmination of a 20-year-long odyssey that began when I was a South Bronx teacher at PS277 in the South Bronx. I became, perhaps militant is not too strong of a word, about what I was seeing in my South Bronx classroom. For all of our attention and affection for our students, we really were not always doing right by them for various complicated reasons, largely having to do with teacher training and curriculum and pedagogy. So this became sort of a crusade of mine to really start to learn more about what I should have known before the first day I entered the classroom. In the acknowledgments of the book, I begin by saying that this book is in part an act of contrition, and I mean that earnestly. In many ways, the students that I taught at PS277 in the South Bronx really should not have had me as their teacher, or at the very least, I should have been better prepared to be what they needed me to be. So in many ways, my career since then has really been about what is the best that we can do for low-income kids, for children of color? How can we better prepare them for lives of upward mobility and citizenship? How can we best prepare teachers to give those kids what they need and they are least likely to get in the schools that we currently have for them? The Success Academy School Bronx One did not exist when I was a teacher in the South Bronx. Success Academy itself did not exist. So even though I was no longer in the classroom, I became fascinated to see what had this school figured out that I and so many others had not found. What was interesting in the book to me is that I walked in 
assuming that I would be writing a book about curriculum and instruction because that's what I usually write about in my day job as an education analyst. I ended up writing a book more about school culture, and that school culture became a function or is a function of several things that we simply don't talk about in education. We like to believe that a good school can have great results with every student who walks in the door. And if people get no other idea from how the other half learns, I hope they get the idea that it's a lot more complicated than that. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be enjoyable. I enjoyed it, and I hope it was not too painful for listeners. What I've learned in recording this audiobook is that I use lots of words that I have <laughs> I have difficulty pronouncing. The one that I think I just changed was remunerative. I usually say remunerative incorrectly, and I cannot say re re remunerative quickly. So my apologies, that word will not appear in this audiobook. The book is filled with dialogue from teachers and parents that I came to know quite well. Success Academy is a profoundly controversial school. And one of the things I was concerned about in writing this book was if people came away from this book disliking the teachers and staff, they've signed up for an enormously challenging task. The dedication, the authenticity, the earnestness, and yes, the love that those teachers pour into those students. That is a difficult thing to perhaps capture and communicate. Those folks have my enormous respect. And perhaps by recording this myself, maybe with any luck, a little bit of that came through. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast David McCullough, just because I've enjoyed so many of his narrations over the years, both his books and his narration of the American experience on PBS. The other one, more fancifully, of course, would be Jim Dale. My daughter grew up at a time when the Harry Potter books were the hottest thing around, and because we spend a lot of time in the car, most of our experience of those Harry Potter books was not reading but listening to Jim Dale, which made me fall in love with audiobooks. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved, oh, there's so many I could name. I really enjoyed Ron Chernow's Grant. I'm listening to right now the Jackson biography by John Meacham. But the last one that I really enjoyed as an audiobook was The Coddling of the American Mind by Greg Lukianoff and John Haidt. I happen to know both of those gentlemen well enough to particularly enjoy their reading and especially John Haidt doing voices for the first chapter or two of that book, which was one of the things, by the way, that emboldened me to do the read of my own book. If John Haidt, who is a you know fantastic intellectual and legendary academic, can throw himself into that project with as much enthusiasm as he did, then so can I. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is any place where I can't sit down with a book. I live on a former farm in upstate New York, and it's quite old and needs a lot of repair. So I try to organize my day as a writer to wake up early, say, you know, be at my desk writing by six in the morning so that at two o'clock in the afternoon I can justify being outside working on a roofing project or stacking a stone wall or some such. But I just view that as my time to spend with books as well. So I also spend a fair amount of time in the car 
I do enjoy surface travel, principally because I can get work done and listen to books. So basically, if I'm out and about or if I'm in motion, I'm usually listening to an audiobook. Hi, this is Rhonda McGee. I wrote the book, The Inner Work of Racial Justice, Healing Ourselves and Transforming Our Communities Through Mindfulness, because I'd been working on the intersection of mindfulness and dealing more effectively with race and racism for some time, trying to create some greater capacity to fully grapple with our history of white supremacy and the way it shows up in our lives. And through the course of many years of teaching and offering workshops and facilitating conversations, it occurred to me that the response I was getting from audiences was strong and encouraging enough that I should try to find a way to put some of these practices, insights, and teachings together in something portable. Really, in a certain sense, the book is the culmination of 21 years of struggling with and grappling with and learning some things, just a little, about how to support us in diverse community to really turn toward rather than away from difficult conversations about race. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be transformational. It was really wonderful, actually. I'm not even sure I can describe exactly what it was like, but I felt like something important was happening just by going through the process of reading this book. Narrating my audiobook was, I'm not sure it was harder than I expected, but it was hard, and it was mostly harder on my voice, I think, than I had expected. I do a lot of speaking and teaching, but I have never, I don't think, had to kind of use my voice for such sustained blocks of time over several days. It, actually, we ended up doing it five full days plus a extra couple hours. And so that actually surprised me more than anything else, the physical demand of it. But I can also say I really enjoyed working with my team. I was pleasantly very surprised just how beautifully they created a supportive kind of container for me to do this work. The other supportive element, I guess, of the work of this week has been this T-shirt. And it's a shirt that I got some time ago. On this shirt are the names Audra, Zora, Alice, and Tony. Those are the names of Audra Lord, Zora Neil Hurston, Alice Walker, and Toni Morrison, African-American women authors who've inspired me for decades. I might have worn this in any event while doing this, but as happened, the day before I started my audio recording was the day that Toni Morrison passed. So I was especially contemplative about the fact of her impact on me, on my work. So I just feel that this entire experience has been, once again, infused with the spirit, if you will, of authors who've supported me for years. I realized I had trouble pronouncing a lot of different things, like how I say appreciate in a kind of a weird, I'm not sure why way, and biases, 
and bases and different things that I say slightly oddly. I also learned that when I would be struggling sometimes, it would partly be because of the way a few words would show up in a string together that would just maybe be not so hard to pronounce on their own, but particularly hard to pronounce in the series. I was proud of and I guess excited about the way that my own voice can capture some of the depth, I think, and some of the emotion that the words on the page are trying to convey. I really actually am so glad I had a chance to do this as opposed to having had someone else read my words on my behalf. If I had to pick a dream narrator, (laughs) I probably would ask Toni Morrison. (laughs) Poignantly, she's not any longer with us. But her voice, to me, was always just very moving, very, very powerful, inspiring. The last audiobook that I listened to was a Brene Brown book, Daring Greatly. I enjoyed it. I love Brene Brown's voice. And I think having enjoyed listening to that was part of what helped me feel like I could settle in and do this and imagine the audiobook living out there and being a companion to people. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash next listen.